dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. The Bible has a lot to say about talking. The letter to St. James, for example, says that the tongue is the key to all virtue. Our Lord himself says that every idle word we'll have to account for on the day of judgment. And all of us who manage people know the power of words to edify and to destroy. But what's the value of silence? Is it possible to talk too much? How do we know when to speak and what to say? Pope St. Gregory the Great has some valuable insight. So we're here at the St. John Leadership Network in order to take you deeper into an understanding of how to manage the people that God has given to your leadership in as effective and as powerful way as you can, but also as his instruments. Because we all know that in the end, like we are leaders and in the position of influence that we have because God wants through us to exert his influence in the world. And so this requires some attention and some choices that aren't necessarily always instinctive. In fact, let's just be honest, managing people is one of the hardest things that there is. You can be really good at a business. You can do all kinds of great things. You could be a very successful CEO, et cetera. But when it comes to people, it's kind of like what Dave Ramsey says. He says, listen, everything goes great until people get involved. <laughs> and then when you have to work with your people, my goodness, it's almost like all of the situations in our world get condensed into one office space. You have the poor with the needy, with the, the emotionally hurt, with those who carry biases, biases with them, with those who are able to do confrontations and those who are not able to do confrontations. And you find them at every level of the organization. And that's why working as a Catholic business leader is such an incredible grace for our world. You know, when people ask me, you know, how, how is it, Father Nathan, that the church is supposed to evangelize the world today? I always say it goes down to two things. We need to reclaim the family and we need to reclaim the world of work. We need to reclaim business. Because if we can reclaim those two sectors, you're actually looking there at two agencies that actually uh, create the culture that we're in today. So obviously there's also the world of education and the world of the arts, but I think in many ways, those two, those other two worlds, arts and education, they kind of flow from what is more basic, the need that we have as the cell of society to originate life and be accepted and find our identity in our family. And then the need that we have to produce the food and to survive, which explains the world of work. And you put those two agencies as the primary ones and we say that's where the church's message needs to be focused. And that's exactly what we're doing at the St. John Leadership Network. That's why so many of the, the Catholic Church's outreaches focus on the family. I just think that we don't do such a good job about focusing in the world of business. And that's what this ministry is all about. We want to empower you as the leaders in the business world to be the agents of God in the business world. 
And to do that, though, you're confronted right away with the, all of the same fundamental problems that the Catholic priest is confronted with on a daily basis. I mean, sometimes people will say to me, Father, isn't it hard to hear confessions? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure it is. But at the same time, we know that if you're working in a business, you're hearing confessions all the time. Your, your colleagues are turning towards you. They're saying all kinds of their problems. You know, some of you do some of your greatest counseling right there for the people that you work with. And that's why you're there. And that's why you're working with them to bring that influence. But the same, if you have dysfunction in family lives at home, the same people that are causing that dysfunction with their spouses and with their children are also working with you. And they're working, their same behaviors that are causing their own home lives to be a mess will also cause your work life to be difficult. And so when you're fine, if you're managing people, be it a foreman on a job or be it a supervisor in a corporate environment or be it the, the, the person in charge of the front desk at the dental office, wherever you find yourself, if people are underneath you, you find yourself confronted with the world of sinners <laughs> and you find yourself to be a sinner too. This is why I think it's so healing and so powerful for Catholics to be involved in the world of business. It's an amazing thing because you, you know, it's easy to look like a saint when you don't have to try, but when you're actually put in environments and in situations where your own lack of virtue shines out and where people notice where you're dysfunctional and where you're not good with things. Well, you can on the one hand say, oh, what a terrible thing because I feel so crummy. On the other hand, what a blessing. Because then you actually are able to work and improve. And it's the same thing when you're working as a manager and you see all of the faults and the failings. People who don't enter into confrontation. People who can't take criticism. People who embody their work and so profoundly and espouse it to their identity so closely that, that everything that you say about their working environment becomes a reflection and a judgment on them. All of those things that drive us crazy in the workplace if you have to manage people are actually have a root in the human heart. That heart that the word of God speaks to in the Bible, the sacraments address that God's grace is there to speak to. So if you are imbued with that grace and that teaching from Christ, how powerful that is to be able to let that teaching and that grace from Christ flow through you effectively into the lives of those you manage, because now it's not just a business, it's also an occasion for the people to encounter the influence of God through words, through kindness, through example, through your leadership. You're able to influence our society and rectify some behaviors that if they go unchecked in the business place can actually go home and ruin the things at home. And one of the biggest things is the use that we have of words. You have two extremes here. You've got those who are so silent that they brood and they just are like a, a stew with a lid on it, you know, a, a boiler pot locked down, right? And everything's inside on the outside looks calm and wonderful and serene. But on the inside, they just boil to the point of exploding. And if they don't explode, well, they'll implode on the inside and depression and quitting, all kinds of problems that come from the fact that they don't speak. And then on the other side, you've got those who have no problem speaking. <laughs> they just throw out their words all the time, dominating conversations, stifling innovation, throwing their little personality everywhere and getting involved in everything such that people can't even stand up and move forward. And in the middle of that, you've got a culture 
that actually fosters both at the same time. Our world today will say everything that's out there, you have an opinion about and you have a right to voice it. And the other hand, it'll say, make sure that you don't hurt people's feelings. <laughs> and then we're sitting here going like, I'm trying to manage this chicken coop, right? There's all these different hens in this chicken coop and all of them are have different, uh, how am I supposed to do that? Well, this is where Pope St. Gregory the Great comes in. All these years ago, 1500 years ago, this man had such an insight into character and into personality and how to work with them. And he wrote it all down in this great book called The Rule of Shepherds. We're in book three right now, chapter 14. And he gives an amazing analysis of how we work with those who are too silent and how we work with those who are too talkative and how we find the middle between the two. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. All right, so people ask me all the time, Father, what, what is it that a priest knows about business? And how can a priest, you know, your priesthood actually speak to the business issues that we have today? It's obvious that the priesthood doesn't address itself to every kind of business issue or even most of the financial or the, the organizational issues that you might have. There's obviously a cumin we can all dis discover there, but where the priesthood excels is in our knowledge of people, all right? Because if you think about the wisdom that a priest has after the years and years and the thousands and thousands of hours that we spend talking and working with people in every environment, you would agree with what Pope John Paul II says. He says, the church is an expert in humanity. The, no one knows the human heart better than the Catholic Church because we go to the depths by confessions with sins. We go to the heights by the education that we do. We work with the highest and the worst and the best of people on a daily basis in every situation, in every continent, through 2,000 years of history, all right? So there's no organization that has worked with human beings longer or in a, to such a same extent from newborns until the, the, from the cradle to the grave, we work with people on every continent for 2,000 years of human history. So there's a, a wisdom and understanding the human heart that you're difficult to find anywhere else. And that's why when it comes to managing people, this book three of the rule of shepherds by Pope Gregory the Great is just priceless. He outlines in, in book three all of these different situations and scenarios that we come across as managers on a daily basis. And he gives, here's how you work with them to make them their best. Now, obviously, he's, he's writing from the point of view of a pope, of a, of a priest. You know, he's writing to bishops. So he's talking about it from a very spiritual point of view. But the nuggets that are in there have practical applications for you in the secular workforce on a daily basis. Be it in the trades, be it wherever you are, this is very applicable. Let's take a look at chapter 14, for example. And he's talking about how is it that you can help people who do not talk enough? And how is it that you can help people who actually talk too much? And you put yourself in a situation in business, this happens all the time. You know, take for example, those who don't say anything. 
You, it, this would either be those who avoid confrontations, right? This could be you, as a matter of fact, because a lot of us want to avoid confrontations, right? So you can either be wanting to avoid confrontations, and so you don't say anything, or you could be just the type that actually doesn't want to voice and show what they really feel inside. And so you just take criticism or take confrontations to the point where you don't do anything with them. And on the one hand, those people can seem so great. I don't know if any of you struggle with speaking out of turn, but it's one of the most socially painful things that we can do to be at a, uh, a party or at a situation and, and where you, you actually say too much and then you regret it. And you look back and you're like, dang, I totally spoke out of turn. I spoke way too much. Everyone just listened. I went on and on for 15, 20 minutes and no one even stopped me and I made a fool of myself, right? It's like that old saying, it's better to be silent and thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt, right? And so there is, it's painful, right? We don't want to go through that, right? And so, and, and especially if maybe you were grown up in an environment where when you spoke your opinions, you were ridiculed, you just learned that it was better. You made it through life better if you just didn't say anything. And then you got someone like that in your workspace. So what's going to happen? They're, you're going to say things to them about their work, about their, about their attitudes, or about other situations that are arising. And those people are never going to say anything back. So they always look good. Everyone's like, oh man, this, you know, this person, they're solid, they're this or they're that. But that doesn't mean, number one, that they're actually doing good work. Number two, it doesn't mean that you as a manager are outside of the problems that could come that they could actually cause. And then number three, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily are a good person. Pope Gregory the Great points out, listen, when you're over silent, when you're silent too much, what actually could be happening is that some other of the vices can actually grow inside of the person. He says, for often from bridling the tongue over much, the over silent suffer from more grievous loquacity in the heart. So that means even if their tongue isn't saying anything, their hearts can just be speaking all the time inside their thoughts. He says, so that thoughts seethe the more in the mind from being straightened by the violent guard of indiscreet silence, the seething of thoughts in the mind. And that's what I mean. Go back to those three things. Number one, it's, the, the fact is they might be thinking of better ways that we could improve a process. They might be thinking of things that we could do to avoid pitfalls. They might even have innovation going on in their mind. But if they don't know how to say it or when to say it, or if they're not willing to speak it, well, they're not going to necessarily be productive. They could just be going along with the rest of the lemmings <laughs> right off the cliff. Well, you don't need that on a team. Listen, guys, I don't need extra weight just saying, yes, yes, this is great. I don't need a bunch of yes men. I need folks who are going to help us move the ball forward. And if the guy can't talk or the gal can't talk or they don't want to talk, well, you're going to find that they're just going to go on the process. And at the end of it, they could turn around and say, well, I knew this wouldn't work, you know? And you're like, well, thanks a lot. We can't afford to have these things fail. You know, you've got $100,000 sunk into a project and then Jimmy is thinking in their mind all kinds of wonderful things. You got to learn how to make them talk. Right? Because otherwise, and it's just being silent and them looking good, it doesn't mean that you're, it's going to guarantee you success. How do I pry into their minds for the good of the team? 
And then there's the effect that there's over silence can have on the other people because as you remember and as you know, especially this is the, the wisdom of the priest here, just because a person isn't saying anything doesn't mean that they're not thinking things. And that thought can turn into actions, behaviors, and words that actually can be a detriment to the whole team. I mean, just think about the impact that it has when someone can't confront other people. Well, eventually it'll explode. This is what Pope Gregory the Great says. He says, Moreover, the oversilent, for the most part, when they suffer some injustices, come to have a keener sense of pain from not speaking of what they endure. All right, so someone criticizes them. Maybe you criticize them. And then they can't say it or they won't say it. Well, that can actually cause an even deeper impact. And now you've got someone who's brooding over the pain instead of being able to confront it. He says this, For were the tongue to tell calmly the annoyances that have been caused, the pain would flow away from the consciousness. For closed sores torment the more. Since when the corruption that is hot within is cast out, the pain is opened out for healing. All right? So in other words, I got to be able to create an environment where the people can say, hey, this hurt me, or hey, this was unjust, or hey, I have this or that to say. If I can, I'm actually going to create a better and smoother working environment for my people, right? And, and if I can't, I'm actually going to be fostering explosions that will come out later, right? He goes on to say, they therefore who are silent more than is expedient ought to know this, lest amid the annoyances which they endure while they hold their tongue, they aggravate the violence of their pain. And you could even add, they actually aggravate the environments of the entire workforce. We need to be able to manage our teams to have confrontation. This is what he says beautifully. He says, for they are to be admonished that if they love their neighbors as themselves, they should by no means keep from them the grounds on which they justly blame them. Right? So if I really love the people in my office and I love my collaborators and I'm called to because I'm a Christian, well, then I need to be able to say, hey, this is something you did against me. This was not a fair comment. This was not a fair treatment, etc." And there's a million ways that in the workforce we can shut that down and we can keep all kinds of problems in our world. But if we alleviate it there, what a blessing we've given. Because we've helped people to have honest, hard conversations, help them to grow and form mutual trust that'll make our team be able to survive and thrive in the days to come. It's just so awesome. For from the medicine of the voice, he says, there is a concurrent effect for the health of both parties. While on the side of him who inflicts the injury, his bad conduct is checked, right? They said, don't do this again. The person now has to learn from that. And on the side of him who sustains the injury, the violent heat of pain is allayed by opening out the sore. This is the wisdom of Pope St. Gregory the Great. It's a wisdom that we can all apply because in the end, the third effect of the silence is that it doesn't mean that the person themselves is actually growing in holiness. And we know that that's not our first concern when we're there at work, but we who are Christians also know, hey, we want our people to be better people. And so we're going to help them to grow. That's the third thing. By helping them, number two, to create a good, honest working environment by speaking out and listening to each other and saying what's on their mind. And that goes back to the very first thing, number one, because in the end, it's not because you're not saying anything that actually you're doing good work. 
I want you to do good work. You got to speak. That'll create a better teamwork and it'll help you to become a better person. And all that comes 1,500 years ago from this awesome Pope who knew something about people and therefore knew something about business. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network, where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. So we've been spending a lot of time here with Pope St. Gregory the Great and his Rule of Shepherds, chapter 14, book 3, looking at the, the place of people who are too silent. But there's another side of the coin. And all of us who manage people know, hey, this is just as, uh, uh, just as annoying, right? And they can even be more annoying. And it's when people use their words too much. It's, and it's so funny because people who speak too much tend, it seems to me, to not realize that they're speaking too much. There can be a lot of reasons for this. There are some people, for example, who are just external processors. And, and, that, and therefore, they, they're thinking while they're talking. So when you say something, they want to digest it by talking it through. But it just means that in a conversation, it can be very awkward because you put forward something, then you listen to them for the next four minutes. <laughs> and, and then you, you, if you, if you, do, you can't really move forward because sometimes they digest it so well that then they, they forget they don't leave you with an opening to continue the conversation. They're just people of words. Well, that could just be the way that they're trained. Their minds can work that way. And there are advantages to that. They do great podcasts, for example. <laughs> and they do great talks and, and for, get, make that person a preacher, you know, because that really, really is helpful. But we also know that in a working environment, it doesn't always help. And especially if you're a leader in the workplace environment, then you, as you know, you can become vulnerable. You end up saying things that people take literally, they take to, you know, by not guarding your tongue, you can cause all kinds of commotion because the people underneath you, everything that you say is truth to them or the people around you, they sometimes find secrets out and then use it against you. And, and people want to know your thoughts. And if you share them without guard or too easily, you can end up hurting people, causing confusion causing emotional duress and sometimes even jeopardizing your business. It's like that old saying from the Navy, right? Loose lips sink ships, right? So how do I do that if I'm naturally loquacious or if I'm naturally needy of being able to share my feelings and my thoughts with people? Well, Proverbs has a warning. It says, as a city that lies open and without environment of walls, so is a man that cannot keep in his spirit in speaking, right? If you, and we know this feeling. If you, if you struggle with it or you know people on your team that struggle with it, they, it's, a, it's a detriment, right? Because if you can't withhold, if you speak too much and constantly you don't know the value of silence, well, you're like a city without walls. It's exposed. Gregory the Great goes on, he says, for because if it has not the wall of silence, the city of the mind lies open to the darts of the foe. And when by words it casts itself out of itself, it shows itself exposed to the adversary. 
And all of us who hold positions of responsibility, we know the last thing we want to feel is exposed to the adversary. And that's exactly how we feel when we just let ourselves go. People ask us, how are you doing? What's going on? And then you tell them, oh, I'm terrible. <laughs> and I'm stressed and I'm anxious and I'm all these things. And then the people look at you with these horrified eyes like, oh my goodness, you know, what's the matter with you? And then you realize, oh shoot, like I just, I've opened myself up, right? By just talking too easily. Uh, or I share, you know, I've got this environment and then you see that their eyes are calculating. How can I use what this guy just shared with me in order to bring him down? It's almost like when you start talking with a salesperson, right? <laughs> because the salesperson is looking for that crack so that then they can say that their product is exactly what will take your pain away. And you're like, that's amazing, right? Well, they just are good listeners. Well, that's actually a real key to be careful, number one, of yourselves from talking too much. He, this is what uh, Gregory the Great says. He says, the human mind after the manner of water, when closed in, is collected unto higher levels in that it seeks again the height from which it descended. And when let loose, it falls away in that it disperses itself unprofitably through the lowest places. It's a great insight. When you hold yourself in, you're able to collect your thoughts and be centered. If you just talk all the time, you're like spilling the water uh, of your mind and it goes down into the lowest places. For by, he says, for by as many superfluous words as it is dissipated from the censorship of its silence, by so many streams, as it were, is it drawn away out of itself. Is it any wonder then that while only 40% of the population is considered introverted, 70% of CEOs find themselves and list themselves as introverts, right? Because leadership requires that ability to stop the flow of your thoughts on the outside, to collect them and poise them for good strategy on the inside. And that's not even saying all the other detriments that can happen, right? He says, for example, and this is just the wisdom of the priest, while we neglect to guard against idle words, we go on from them to hurtful ones. And the more that we talk, the more prone we are to go into slander and gossip and negativity. All these things I think are really key for us. Managing our people well, to help those who speak too much and too quickly to listen to the others and get their opinion, to be practical about it by validating what they're saying, but sometimes even cutting them off because you need to let your team boil up the new ideas and the good innovation and innovative ideas from the ground. And that requires discipline and hard work on your part as a manager, both to encourage those who aren't speaking to say what's in their mind and to refrain. It's the secret of success. It's found in the secret of silence. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.